Idris Oz bicycle traffic reporter Carly Coleman. Good morning. I never touch the ground, Peter. I know you do, don't. I don't know how you do it. I think it's all down to shoes. <laughs> Uh, and this morning, we are also joined by the director from Paths of People, Sarah Hoyles. Good morning, Sarah. Hello. How's it going? Great. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Uh, it's, you, were, you used to be at CJSR, right? A long, long time ago? Or um, not a long, long time ago. I've, I've helped out at CJSR. I've, uh, yeah, I've run some workshops for interviewing, and I've worked, yeah, I've, I've kind of been in the public radio realm all over the different dials. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't, so, don't want to name drop other stations, so right? we'll just leave it at exactly. that. <laughs> sure. Very good. But today you're not here oh, from a radio point of view, you're here from a Paths of People point of view. I am, yeah. Uh, I'm the executive director of Paths for People and we champion active transportation in Edmonton. That's our jam. So, Sarah, uh, we were thinking uh, that Open Streets was kind of your gig as well. Yeah. Well, it is. I mean, it, it, it fits underneath the umbrella of Paths for People. That's the organization that, that hosted the event, Open Streets. And Open Streets happened not even a month ago. So, I mean, I'm still trying to make my way through figuring out uh, reporting and whatnot. But that's the boring stuff. The really fun stuff is what happened on August 25th, which mm-hmm. was the mm-hmm. Open Streets party, yeah. Well, let's back it up a bit and talk about Paths for People and the the things that they have achieved in mm. Edmonton since their inception as, I think they were originally like the Edmonton Bike Coalition, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the organization started off in 2015 with two folks, uh, Conrad Norbert and Anna Ho, and uh, they gathered some, you know, like-minded folks around the table advocates and um, transportation engineers and city just people that were really invested um, and wanting to see community being built and being built for everyone including infrastructure for active transportation I came in a year ago and I think it's a testament to the organization and its viability and it's the necessity for it in the fact that the, the founders of the organization are no longer with the organization and it still is flourishing and continuing to grow and continuing to do exciting stuff. So, yeah, I I have no hand in the the origin story. Mm. Um, I just um, was lucky enough to to get chosen to to help uh, further the organization. So that's like, oh my goodness, it's like about my year anniversary with the org. Um, and yeah, I mean, the organization has been a lot involved in quite a bit of advocacy work, especially around bike lanes and active transportation infrastructure. And um, yeah, running events, bringing in great speakers, just, you know, continuing and expanding the conversation around uh, who who is active transportation for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So why do you think um, past people took off so well had resonated so well and like you said kind of has has survived and flourished even though the original um, founders are no longer involved in the organizational structure like what was where was Edmonton Hmm. in 2015 slash going forward that made that work that made it made it make sense because like, Edmonton mm. bicycle communities have done advocacy on the side, but in a very minor way. Before it wasn't; it's only like five percent of their time. Right, kind of right. So, is it was it just like there was a hole in Edmonton's market for advocacy around active transportation, or do you think there's something else? Um, you know, I, I've thought about it, and I've I've, I've been trying to f- figure it out myself. I think 
when you look at it about where is the money and active transportation is inexpensive and people that that's the beauty of it is that it doesn't require uh you know, a, a big vehicle. It doesn't require um, insurance. It doesn't require, it is inclusive in that way. But because of that, there aren't necessarily um, well-funded interest groups and organized interest groups to be able to say, hey, we we need space too. So I think it's uh, that was kind of the gap that was there is trying to, to bring people together. I mean, Bike Edmonton has been around for a long time and they do amazing work. I think Paths for People is not wanting to take up their space mm-hmm. um, because they do amazing work. I think what it is is it's about saying, there's pedestrians and pedestrians don't even have a, a bike that they're on. So who's advocating for them? A lot of times they get lost because they don't have, who's going to champion that uh, shoe companies? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> shoe cobblers. Like um, there's not necessarily a huge, um, you know, base for people to, to draw money from, to be able to do. Cause I mean, let's be honest when you're doing lobbying, a lot of times it's, big money's behind it. So I think it's just about, um, we just wanted to expand the lens. So making sure that we're talking about, well, now scooters, but also walking, um, making sure accessibility. So for all users. Um, so we were just, we were, we're wanting to definitely hold up and support, uh, bike Edmonton and then kind of expand and make it be active transportation. So the larger picture that bikes fit into so speaking about like paths for people being involved in um, uh, getting bike lanes actually on the ground in Edmonton mm-hmm. and these e-scooters, Peter and I were speculating before the break that maybe e-scooters are the driving force behind more bike lanes because there is the bylaw that e-scooters can't be on the sidewalk, but then where are they, mm. right? So do you see that as a thing going forward? I mean forecast the future. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to just let me get the crystal ball out. (laughs) Let's get my backpack out here. Okay. um, So... I don't know. That, I think that's the really optimistic way of looking at it and saying like, oh, this will be the catalyst. This will get us. So we're moving and saying, okay, well, there needs to be more infrastructure because ultimately when people are begrudging the e-scooters, they're saying, oh, people don't know how to ride them. Oh, um, people are impolite. And it's like, it's not, those aren't the problem. The problem is infrastructure. There isn't the space. And because of the way the bylaw is designed, is it saying, no, you're not allowed on the sidewalk. And if you're on a scooter, that means you're going against a car. Mm-hmm. It's no one in their right mind will do that. So right. I, I feel like the bylaw is, is setting, is being set up to fail. Like right. these scooters are being set up to fail. So optimistically, sure. That we could see maybe that would be like, yeah, the catalyst to get more uh, bike lanes. But if I'm being cynical, I would say it's going to just see the demise of e-scooters and say, see? In in Edmonton. In Edmonton, yeah. See? Doesn't work. Doesn't work. People don't know how to do it. Um, We're a winter city. Yeah, we're like, we can't, it can't be done. And it's so, and... uh, yeah, just knowing kind of the the history of active transportation infrastructure in Edmonton, we tend to say scrap it. I mean, look at the bike lanes that were in McKern and Belgravia. I mean, now there there's the next iteration, but man, that was soul crushing when they ripped up the the paint lines on 76 and said, "We tried." Right, right. So I guess from but 
from an organisational point of view, having these new players in that field, so the e-scooter field, does that provide you with um, new leverage and new funding sources for your organisation? Like, do you feel like Lime and Bird um, could be um, a potential source to help you with your advocacy? I think I, I, I think so. Um, so Lime, if you're listening, <laughs> um, reach bird. out. Yeah, <laughs> tweet, 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 Bird. Um, I think so. I mean. The idea uh, that we're, it's about having options. And I might sound like a broken record because I've said this multiple times, but it's about options. It's not about now we're only, we're going to put all of our stock in e-scooters. It's just Mm -hmm. like, no, we need to make sure that people have options. So whether what they can afford and what they can actually um, ride upon. So if it is something that they, so the infrastructure is there that they can actually ride it or walk it. Um, so to me, it's just, I think it's it's about, yeah, widening the spectrum of, of options. So it's not either you got the car or you're walking or you've got the bus or you're driving. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you look at Pogo doing the car share. It's just about diversification. And then it also, uh, you know, there's, huge benefits for the economy, there's huge benefits for the environment, there's huge benefits for health implications Mm. Um, community also just uh, getting to people to be out of their houses so there's mental health implications I I could go on and on and on and on on. So that I think segues nicely into open streets, what the heck is an open street? (laughs) Tell us Sarah, tell us. It's this crazy little creature, Um, trying to explain to people what the heck it was before it happened was was very challenging Um, so it happened on August 25th it was a Sunday and luckily the weather decided the monsoon season ended and the clouds opened up and we were able to have a a beautiful day on Jasper Ave and open streets sometimes people would say oh you're closing Jasper Ave and I said no 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 we're opening Jasper Ave to people on bikes people with their dogs walking scooting uh, wheelchairs walkers, you name it, um, skateboards, everyone was out there. And the idea was to allow people to experience Jasper Ave as they've never experienced it before. If you go down there on a regular day, it's four lanes and then parking on either side. It is a massive road and I wouldn't want to walk down it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, we we opened it up and uh, we worked with the city to do the, the closures for cars and we had a big old party. So there was music and there were drag queens and there were uh, dog demos for agility and food trucks and markets and, oh, musicians. I mean, we did, oh, we had an ETS bus where uh, they pulled it right onto the route and parked it and people were able to try putting their bike on the front because I always find that really intimidating. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it wasn't us. It wasn't just us. We hosted, we did the legwork around getting the road closed, doing, you know, the work around getting the city on board, getting some funding from the city. And, uh, and then from there, we reached out to the community and said, hey, 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 Everyone. you guys, want to come party on the street? And uh, people said, uh, heck yeah. And so businesses showed up, nonprofits showed up. Um, it, yeah, it's not about us. It's not about saying Paz for People did this thing. It was Paz for People connected folks and got everybody onto the street because that's ultimately what active transportation 
should do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why is this kind of important uh, event uh, important? Well, I think um, it's always nice to say, yeah, active transportation works and active transportation is good for you and active transportation is good for the community. But that's really just um, theoretical. And Open Streets actually was putting, uh, you know, feet on pavement and it was proof of concept. So being able to say, if there is space allotted for active transportation, it will be used. And we planned for 5,000 people and our conservative estimate, uh, we had counters out on the route, we were well beyond 10,000. So that is, uh, that is a lot of Edmontonians mm-hmm. saying, yeah, we, we want this type of infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Why is this important for Edmonton? Hmm, that's a really great question. Uh, I mean, it I, it would be an expansion of that uh, idea that yes, there is a desire, there is an appetite for active transportation and complete streets, meaning streets that aren't just um, for getting from point A to point B in a motor vehicle, but there's actually commerce and there's community and there's yeah, there's there's more going on. Yeah, there's more going on than just driving a car. Um, and I think Edmonton specifically, I mean, I, I'm probably telling everybody what everybody knows. Edmonton is very car centric, the way that it has been planned for many, many decades. It's very reliant on a vehicle, on motor vehicles. So trying to, to, to experiment and say, you know, what, what could it look like if we, if we built our, our city differently? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Peter, do you have any questions? Yeah, I guess the feedback. Like, mm. so Sarah Hall is just from Paths of People. They were one of the organisers behind the uh, Open Streets Day that was on August 25th. What kind of feedback did you receive from the community? I mean, obviously, Jasper Ave goes through the downtown, mm-hmm. so the community itself, uh, immediately around that, and then the broader Edmonton community, which is a distinct different... But they feel like Jasper Ave is theirs because, I mean, even like Sherwood Park, people will drive through and go to St. Albert, kind of. You bet. And we actually had folks... Um, we did a survey on the day. We had some of our volunteers out with iPads and we had um, created... Our, our chairperson, Dave Buchanan, actually took the lead on that and created the survey and our volunteers helped us ask tons of people. The really great thing was people, when they were... People with the iPads, our volunteers with the iPads, people were approaching them. You know, when people are doing surveys, usually you make a big, wide berth around them to be like, I'm not doing that. (laughs) People were finding our volunteers and saying, can I take the survey? Hmm. And did that did that skewer then? Like, how did you how did you then take those results Mm. and and try to remove any skew as a result of the fact that the people who are passionate about the fact that you did an open street? wanted to do the survey? That, that's a good question. Um, I think what we had, the way that it had been set up is that every, it was every 10th person. So it wasn't, um, we weren't set look, approaching the people that looked friendly. It was <laughs> right. like, you have to approach the every 10th person once you're done doing the most recent survey. So we tried to, yeah, do random, mm-hmm. randomized as, as much as we could. And then that feedback, uh, I, wow, people loved it the the biggest piece because we had um the different uh feedback kind of rated and ranked and the top response was that people were so excited to be able to use the whole street 
and um, businesses on the route were really excited. We did business outreach um, as soon as we got approval from the city, which was a very short time frame. Ideally, it would be a year. We had three months to pull this thing together, and we did it, and I'm still alive, uh, shockingly. And um, when we did that, uh, so we went out to the businesses, and we I was our board members and myself we went out face to face in person and we took a one sheet and just basically said hey this is the idea try to explain what the heck this weird creature is and uh, I was bracing for some hostility how dare you go no no mm. everyone in the business community was like that's great how can we participate did you have businesses open on Sunday who weren't normally open on that day yeah um, we did well, I, and the really neat thing is like I said earlier, it wasn't that we were taking the lead and telling people what to do. Mm-hmm. We just said, what would you like to do? And so one restaurant um, who does poke, they uh, Hawaiian poke, they brought in a, a skewer, like a big, what is it called, a spit? Mm-hmm. And they put a, a big old pig roast up right in the middle of the street. So unique. It drew people in. Not something I would have thought of. Um and so, yeah, businesses, when they kind of, when we encouraged them to just run with it uh, and they, they took up the mantle, they did. And everyone was really excited about it. Um, I mean, we had people come in from Morinville, from Sherwood Park. We, I, I mean, people have asked, like, what was, something must have gone wrong. And I am not sugarcoating it. It was it was incredible, and the sense of community, I think, is what um, was r- really astonishing. I, I had a friend who was uh, an artist, and she was doing a Chelsea Booze is her name, and she um, she was doing a mending booth, and she had told me beginning at the day she was really nervous because she wasn't sure what the vibe on the street was going to be, if people were going to be hostile, or you never know. And then I saw her nearing the end of the day, and she just said, "This has been incredible." There was, everyone was so friendly and it's so neat to see people when you're out on the street face to face and you're actually engaging with them on a very human level, not, you know, behind a a smartphone or, um, yeah, it was, I mean, yeah, I I wish I could say that there was some negativity. Um, I'm sure people are like, well, let me just head over to Twitter and I'll let you know, Sarah Hoyles. Um, (laughs) That'll be ad Sarah Hoyles. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Come at me. So, okay, so one, you had one. Now the proof of concept is over and done with, and everyone was like, yahoo, this is amazing. Next steps, what is planned? How can this happen, like, every Sunday next year? Oh, Carly, you're just speaking my language. Um, I think the idea is to at least do one next summer. Uh, Two would be amazing. And ultimately, if we could, you know, build on this concept, the more that we do it, um, the more people understand what this thing is, and it actually boosts local businesses. I mean, it's not a new concept. It's not. It's not that we came up with this, but I mean, Toronto has stats from their open streets that say that it's the best business day for. Uh, businesses that are on the route better than Black Friday better than Boxing Day because when people are walking and biking and taking public transit they are more likely to make unplanned stops I'm so guilty of that yeah I own a car 
And when I'm driving, I'm going from point A to point B and my route will not be disrupted. Mm -hmm. Like, because then I have to find parking and then I like, ugh, yuck. Oh, I did that yesterday. I'm very sorry, my beloved, who might be looking at her bank account right now. (laughs) So (laughs) the... um, the the future the future of it like obviously city council although or city administration only gave you three months notice on this particular run to be fair this has been a concept that mm. tried to fly last yeah. year and tried to get on and so there was kind of money allotted and there was a back and forth and like it's been in the works in Edmonton for around 15 years yes but if city council were to significantly change what would be some of the challenges or opportunities that could could be a consequence of that. Okay, so I'll, I can break it down for you the way that the cost structure kind of worked out, how it shook out. The city came to us and said they would cover road closures, transit rerouting, and then enforcement of the route. And that's just, they, they have to put police officers when there's um, like rerouting on, sure. on roads. Do you, I, I, I mean, people can't evaluate monetary numbers effectively, but I have to ask how much, what was the, what would be the ticket value of that? Okay, so when they came to us, the, I don't want to, I'm just like, how crunchy and granular <laughs> do you want to get on this one? But, um, yeah, no, so when Sorry. we first came to the city, the transportation department came to us and said, okay, to make this work, we need to have every single crossroad on Jasper Ave from 103rd to 109th. The crossroads need to be soft closures, meaning cars can go through um, when the lights change. Which wouldn't work. Thank you, Peter. That's a really good point. So we countered and said just what you said. Yeah. Wait a minute. That won't work. And, um, and so we found a compromise and we kept one uh, road, crossroad open on 106th. So the original amount that they gave us was for having soft closures, so having police officers monitoring and directing traffic at each cross intersection. So they said that's going to cost us 58000 Okay. And um, today, a little bit later today, at 10.30 actually this morning, uh, we have our debrief with the city and they'll be coming back to us and letting us know what the actual amount was. I was informed that it will be significantly lower because we had one cross street. I mean, some people have raised issue with saying, hey, why was there any cross street? Mm -hmm. And um, point taken. I know in other cities, um, best practices from Minneapolis to New York to Tucson, there are cross streets that have soft closures. It's not always a hard closure on all routes. That would be like blue skying it an ideal, but um, we want to work with the city so we can actually have the event as opposed to not having it at all if, uh, if that's kind of the, the options that we have. Fair enough. And I mean, I, I, would be, I don't suppose you have a, another event that you could compare that to, like if you knew what the cost was for um, Heritage Days. Mm. That, that would be um, helpful to, I guess, for, for us to put it into context, because I mean, otherwise it's a meaningless number and we, we compare it to our wage or something. And of course, we were like, oh, well, how but, dare you? Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> they, we, don't, we don't have, as, as citizens, we so often don't have a way to conceptualize um, 
city funds. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, we, all the programming, everything that happened on the ground, other than the road closures, that was, we took that on and we covered that through grants and then also all of our community partners. So the organizations we reached out to and said, hey, what do you want to do? They took that on and they staffed it. Um, So it was truly a community effort uh, to, to make it happen. And yes, the city did the road closures, but that's uh, the only organization that can do the road closures, unless you're going to go rogue, and I, <laughs> nope, not going to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, how is this from Foster People? I know we've had a very long chat, but it probably just makes sense now just to wrap it up. Um, do for Foster People, obviously, that's been your main, or that's been a big focus for the last little while. Yeah. Does that distract you from your other work, or how does how do you make sure you've got the capacity as for, for past people to keep on planning open streets and do your other work? Well, I mean, ideally, I think long term we'd like to see there be a specific coordinator for open streets, or maybe I mean, Dream Life, maybe it becomes its own organization. But right now, uh, I am the sole staff member of Paths for People, and we've got a very active and um, committed board, and so we. Still Still continue to do work and uh, you know being stakeholders um, also just you know going and speaking at city council we yeah I mean we're involved we're, we're still very much involved in in the conversations around actual transportation not just open streets I think open streets is like I said an an illustration a showcase of what active transportation can be and what it can truly do for a community and economy um, the health and sustainability of our city. Goals for past people for the next year to five years, aside from two similar things next summer, what are the other goals that past people would really like to see at Edmonton achieve? Oh, boy. Active transportation-wise. Um, I mean, I, I, our big thing is normalizing active transportation. So the idea that it's unremarkable, someone to ride their bike in the winter Unremarkable. So we're wanting to do more events uh, on the winter side of things. Uh, we are a winter city, um, making sure that we continue to create community. I think it's really important to do advocacy and to go and speak at city council and, and champion those types of things. But I think it's also super important that there's a community and people know that there's a place that they can go and they have shared values. Again, um, because pedestrians don't have a lobby um it's it's really important that people have a, a sense that they have a community and they have a place that they can connect so we continue to do small events championing um urban planning and uh scooters and um yeah infrastructure and uh, maintenance i mean some of it's kind of clunky and boring but um it's really important because it's about like the the way that people move and engage with the city and each other Thank you very much, Sarah, for coming in. Yeah. And uh, thanks for making Edmonton better. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> Thank you very much, Sarah. Sarah Hoyles is from Files of People. She's the uh, executive director. And it's been chatting to CJSR's Bicycle Traffic Board, Carly Coleman. Thank you very much, Carly. Um, bike at CJSR.com if you want more information on that. Paths of People web address is... Uh, Pazforpeople.org.